In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to Broads and Books, the podcast with one unique theme, four hand-picked book recommendations, and two broads. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin. And this is episode number 25, Back to School. Back to School, Erin. It's time. It's that time. time. Mm -hmm. We are in the fall, sort of. You know, August-ish, September-ish. So really, we're talking about back to school. We're talking about adolescence. Mm -hmm. We're talking about that joyful and terrible time. In the fall. Yeah. And often you're back in school when it's still super hot out. Gross. And I don't know about you, but some of my schools didn't have air conditioning. Me too. Up. Yeah. What was that about? Yeah. They just wanted to see how sweaty and hot and the kids can get. And Did how they learn bad. nothing from Romeo and Juliet? Right. Temperature plays a large oh, part my in God. violence. It does. Come on. And how could you bear the smell if you're a teacher? Come on. All those sweaty kids in your classroom. Gross. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. But great theme. Oh, God. Rife with material. Such a great theme. Right. Yeah. So thinking about that, Amy, what uh, was the best thing about school for you? You know what? School supplies. That was it. Trapper keepers. Pouches. Bags. The good pens. Yes. Ugh. God, that's glorious. Did you love going school shopping? I loved it. Now, we went clothes shopping, too. Uh-huh. I didn't like that part as okay, much. Okay, sure. The supply shopping. Ugh, getting a it. folder with like a, you know, whatever superhero was cool at the time. I don't yes. even remember. The unicorn the cat. Yes. I did a lot of Star Wars folders oh, because yeah. I was that kid. I like it. Yeah. I support it. Yes, but all the organization. Mm-hmm. Like, it should have showed me who I was going to be as an adult that I loved it that much. It shows also why we're ride or die because yes. I loved every second of it. And going back to school as an adult, 
holy crap, school supplies are still the best part of that. Yeah. Getting some I can binders. Yeah. Getting some dividers. I do that sometimes just for my oh, office stuff. It? Yes. I'm like, I mean, look, this fancy thing. I look know. right there. I have a shelf full of different colored binders, binders and all my schooling down there. That's, I mean, that's a big, big sign of who I am right there. I like it. Yeah. You would be really disappointed to know that now school supplies are often a fundraiser for the PTO and you order them in a box and they're in the kids' room. Yeah. Because even if you choose not to do that, you can't pick stuff like that anymore. They say you have to get like two red folders, two blue, because they pool all the supplies together (gasps) so that everybody has stuff. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So there's yes. a reason. Yeah, yeah. It's a good reason, yes, but good yeah, reason. it's totally taking the fun. Like even oh. for Mason, who's going to be in kindergarten, I bought a box that'll be in his room. So the future children will have no idea of the joy school that came shopping. from that. Picking out those folders. You know what was also great about school too? The scholastic book catalog that oh. came out. Yes. Yes. And back in the eighties, did you ever do the book it program with Pizza Hut? We were just yes. talking about this and you got that. Oh my god, oh, I killed that. I did too. It was, was the only me. game I could win at and that I liked. And you know what's funny? I was talking about this with my parents recently, actually. And I now as an adult and a parent, I realize like that must have been annoying for you guys because I got a free pizza, but you had to pay for the rest of the family. Because <laughs> I was doing it like once a week. I was like, fuck it! And they'd be like, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. That's true. It mm-hmm. really just caused the family more money. Yeah. I was all about it. Yeah. I didn't care. No. Yeah. And then my brother was a little bit younger who never got a book it. They'd mm-hmm. still order him like his own mini because, oh, you know, he yeah, had to have yeah. a sure. mini pizza too. Mm-hmm. Be like, mom's free. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> I'm the reason we're reading is fundamental. <laughs> yeah. See, it taught me even back then inherent reward. Yeah. Oh, God. I forgot. Those were the three things that I loved about school. Everything else was a dumpster fire, but. Loved it. You and I are so yes. Those are my top three favorite things. <laughs> Hands down. Hands all the other down. students, all the, yeah, forced stuff. Gross. No. Terrible. Terrible. So thinking about adolescence, mm-hmm. um, Aaron, what's one thing you argued with your parents about growing up? But now, much to your chagrin, uh-huh. you realize they were right. Two things. Okay. One, I'm a terrible driver. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. They were right about that. Okay. And they had... All kinds of worries, and they were justified. <laughs> I didn't think it at the time. And also, this is kind of before distracted driving in terms of a phone. Ooh, but yeah, I do yeah. remember one time I was driving like the family van, and I was coming home from some volleyball practice, and we had gotten popsicles or something. And my mom was horrified that I was driving and eating a popsicle. Ooh. And when I look back now, I remember thinking, why are you freaking out? And now when I know myself, oh, I'm like, for obvious reasons, you are not able to do multiple things at once. You're going to impale yourself with that yeah, popsicle stick. Yeah. And yeah, I thought oh, I was a lot no. better than I was. Yeah, it's not So good. the cockiness of youth, mm-hmm. you got over that and you yeah. realized that was right. And okay. now I understand that I'm I'm sorry. It's it's okay. It's a fact. I'm a terrible driver. It has nothing to do with me being female. It has everything to do with just, just my driving skills yeah. are just not good. Hmm. I have terrible instincts. I have terrible depth perception. <laughs> so these two <laughs> things in a car, I've all been like, ah! And then, you know, I think something's closer than it is. Uh, it's it's a lot. You know, it's funny. I don't think I've ever driven with you because you mandate that I drive if we're together. Yeah, most of the time. Wow, this That's is all for I love real. You, I don't want you to die at my hand. <laughs> it's a thing to kill myself, but although that worked out well with Heavesgate, because Can then imagine if you'd been driving and puking, we would be still be on we'd the side still of the road. Be on, I was, yeah, <laughs> we would have just had to start new later. lives. <laughs> 
Sorry, Aaron won't stop puking, so we just got to put down roots right here. Here's where we are forever. <laughs> we built this tiny home. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So. Okay. And I'm in it. And they were right. So, All right. Yeah. Uh, what's something that you wanted to do when you were a teenager, but now, or growing up, and now you realize was just stupid? Why'd you want to do that? God, I wanted to have my own money. I wanted to manage my own money. Oh, yeah. I was like, that's freedom, because then I can just buy candy and movie tickets. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> however, however, in books, candy well, movie tickets in books. books. Yeah. However, once you're an adult, you realize, oh, yeah, I have to make money. There's no fun about it. And candy is a very minuscule portion <laughs> of my monthly bills. <laughs> There's other even, things. It doesn't make up for when I write that mortgage payment <laughs> that I got to buy Skittles. It just doesn't it cover really it. It doesn't. It should, but <sighs> it doesn't. Yeah. So yeah, the bad. whole, you know, being grown and having your own money seemed awesome. It did. It kind of blows. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Mm -hmm. What about you? It, it's kind of related, but for me, it's grocery shopping. Oh, When yes. I was younger, I thought yes. that the possibilities. I Look can pick out what options. Every cereal I want. <laughs> no one can tell me no. I can buy all the chips. All of them. <laughs> I can buy them all. Both of ours seem sort of food related, yeah. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. not surprising. Yeah. But- I it never did it enter my head, one, that I to ever look at the prices of these items. Yes. Or then, two, that when you do that for a family and then you come home and somebody says that's not the kind of chips that you want, that it makes you want to tear their head off. Mm. And that often grocery shopping for me is now related to cooking, which isn't at my top of my list, and planning. And yeah. it's just – it's one area I just really don't like. Yeah. And so now it's just not fun. It's not – I don't go in there and see possibilities. I just see dread, <laughs> sadness, <laughs> despair. I'm like, I'm going to buy this watermelon. I'm going to cut into it. It's probably going to be rotten. And I'm just going to have to come back next week and buy all new groceries. Mm -hmm. Just or never ends. On my way home, I'm going to take a corner too fast and this milk is going <laughs> to pop open to come back here in two hours. It sounds like you say that from experience. I actually have had a, a gallon of milk fall out the back of my car once mm -hmm. I got home mm -hmm. and spill mm -hmm. all over the driveway. Nice. <laughs> and it was in July, so I had to like spray it down. Uh, you can't have curdled milk on your Ew, and just ants all over and it. And I don't even and eat like, drink milk, so oh. I was like, oh, I was just cursing everyone. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. <laughs> okay, so the, the bad driving has come into play with the grocery shopping as yeah. well. All of them are tied together. Yeah, all of them okay. are tied together. Yep. Well, mm -hmm. yeah. From a point of adolescence, adulthood sure seems cool. It does. I don't know. That. And then you find out movie tickets, books, and candy. That's just... It's like 0.05%. Yeah. Those are optionals. Yeah. All the other mandatories. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Okay. All right. Well, well yay, adolescents. Growing up is awesome. Okay. So for fiction pick uh -huh. this week, I chose a book called Push by Sapphire. Oh. This is from 1996. Mm -hmm. um, some of you may know this as the movie Precious that came mm -hmm. out, I think, 2011, somewhere yeah. around there. I wanted to start by um, this line from the New York Times book review at the point of release. It says, what do you get if you borrow the notion of an idiosyncratic teenage narrator from J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye and mix it up with the feminist sentimentality and anger of Alice Walker's Color Purple? I kind of liked that. I liked that mashup right there yeah. because that that speaks a lot, I think, to this book. Mm -hmm. um, and I never saw the movie, I'll be honest, but this book, holy crap. 
Um, Precious is 16. She's she's really living in a terrible, abusive home. There's some really rough stuff here. So just know that going in. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been out of school for no, uh, a number of reasons. But she decides to go back to this alternate school in Harlem led by this amazing teacher. And through some sort of painful processes, she learns to read and write. She's never learned to read and write up to this point. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she discovers the power of putting her life into words through poetry. Mm -hmm. Um, She makes friends, many of whom have had awful homes and terrible experiences as well. And because of going back to school, because of learning, she becomes whole and she finds she sees a way to potentially get out of her current reality and Mm -hmm. have a different life. And that's why I chose it for this theme. I like that idea of what learning can do. And even in this uh, utter, utter despair, this uh, might be um, uh, helpful to her. So... One reason I really like this was her voice. Um, Precious is the narrator. And for much of the book, it's told in her sort of um, unique language. But the voice is very fierce. It's very blunt. It's funny sometimes. Um, it's dark. It's what hooks you in and keeps you going, even when she's going through some horrific stuff. And over time, her voice changes, which is really cool to watch as she's learning to read and write and get her thoughts out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, because of the learning experience, not just school, I think that many books may focus on the school itself, you know, the high school, the junior high, the socialization of that school. But here, it's not that standard view. It's something different. Um, it's much bigger, the idea of learning overall and what that means in adolescence. Um, you know, the act of learning is often very painful and frustrating, but it can be very revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because of this, the world opens up to her and this whole other world of people and connections and family, all of these ways she can define things on her own becomes a possibility due to this. So a really powerful book. Um, like I said, some tough stuff to get through, yeah. but, um, man, it is, it is quite a, a ride and really makes you feel good about the whole school thing. The whole learning thing. I forgot. I read that and I forgot about it. And then when you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that would have been a great pick. What Mm -hmm. a good, yeah, great recommendation if you haven't read it. I also didn't see the movie, so I can't speak to that. But honestly, like now that I've read the book, I don't know if I could have made it through the movie. I mean, I imagine it would focus on a lot of that really bad stuff, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is very, uh, it's in the book and you know it's there, but whew. It's like we've said before, sometimes movies can uh, focus on the visuals at the expense of maybe some of the interior stuff, mm-hmm. some of the personal struggle, the story. I have a feeling that movie, maybe just out of uh, you know necessity, becomes that way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like sometimes it's easier for me to take it in a in a, a book mm-hmm. because you, you your mind can go there, but maybe it almost protects itself a little bit. Like you're not faced with the actual visual of that. Yeah. You can get into the mindset and get into the empathy mode without – you know, having to be devastated yeah. along the way, which is sometimes how it works for me. I just Definitely. feel so, you know, ugh, just drug out from everything. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good pick. Thank you. What about you, Erin? Well, I picked, it's a, it's a fairly new release, but it's called Mrs. Everything by Ooh. Jennifer Weiner. Oh, I've seen that on the book stands. Yes. In the book purchasing places. Oh, well, I would imagine <laughs> it's a popular little title. Um, it was published in June of 2019. Okay. So um, th- it follows two sisters, Joe and Bethy Kaufman, from their lives in the 1950s to the present. So it's a lot about their growing up. It's also centered, kind of why it fits for this theme, it's centered around them going back to school, first elementary school, what their summers are like, and then it's moving into high school and then college, the decisions that they make. So um, it's really 
so interesting because you're watching these two sisters, same family, kind of, we've talked about this before about perspective and how their experiences shaped both of them in their families, how they viewed their families, their relationship with each other, um, how their parents' relationships with each of them affected their relationships with each other. Um, you'll tear through it. And that's not to say that it's not heavy because I think that there is some very big, important things in here. And I will be the first to admit that I cried multiple times throughout this book, bald at the end. Oh my. Yep. Really, really, really loved it. Um, And I also really, really, really love Jennifer Weiner. And um, I wouldn't previously maybe have said that her books were like – you know, of my favorite of all time, but I've always just really liked her as an author. I've always enjoyed her books. But what I really, really like about her is that um, she took something that could have been really defining and really box putting to kind of make up a phrase and made something amazing out of it. So if you're not familiar with her, she wrote some of the like good in bed in her shoes, very successful. She has a ton of books. Um, and they have frequently been labeled as chicklet, which, mm-hmm. you know, chick, whatever that means. And um, because of that, she had been very vocal about the fact that she didn't early on in her career, especially didn't get publicity, didn't get press, didn't get because it was somehow like this less thing, like a yes. garbage book because it was chicklet, yes. which if you think about that for a few seconds it's should really disturbing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and then it kind of morphed into this thing where like, uh, and you might've heard this tossed around now. I hear this a lot, a beach read, yes. which it means it's kind of like a fluff light. book, like light, and, nothing. Ha- and it's which, always women's stories. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she took offense to that. And when she really took offense to it was when Jonathan Franzen, who is a fair amount of popularity, um, made a particular comment about this, about chick lit or being too vocal as a female. And she um, sent him a Twitter, sent him a tweet and with a hashtag, and it took off. And what came out of it was actually um, something called Vita. Which was established in 2010. Oh, I didn't realize it came out of that. Wow. Yeah. So Vita is an organization that does research every year on the major literary publications and reviews to see the disparity in gender. So how many of those are male and how many are female? Now, real quick, before we get into a statistics discussion, there is no world in which there are more men's books and less women. So Mm -hmm. you can claim that this is a statistical thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a lot of major literary publications. This is exactly what Jennifer Weiner was talking about in terms of Jonathan Franzen. Very easy to put your own book up there and say, oh, this is literary fiction and it deserves attention because it's so smart and it has so many wonderful things to say. First of all, if you're not grossed out by that, pompous and disgusting and Mm -hmm. frankly jonathan franzen i'm sure you're not listening because these are two females but (laughs) i don't read your books anymore because of that i'm the exact same way i will not glad you brought this discussion up because i don't read him anymore and and i've been interested in her more because yes because of it because taking a whole group and saying well that's like a b-tree but mine are more serious well first of all really Mm -hmm. second of all Really? (laughs) Did you say that? You take yourself that seriously? And to me, she kind of represents what I think kind of the reason we decided to do this podcast and the reason why we kind of take make the decisions that we do is that what you want to read is what you want to read. Absolutely. And if that interests you, great. If it doesn't, great. Find something that does. But saying that something isn't literary enough or how highbrow enough is just doing a disservice to 
the whole entire publishing industry. Yes. And frankly, it's doing a disservice to anybody who's interested in reading because being made to feel like what you're reading isn't good enough in a world, in the world that we live in, that we're fighting literary, you know, um, statistics all the time of people not getting the access to books that they need, not getting access to education, not being able to read as much as they would like. The fact that we're fighting that. And then on the other side, someone's saying, well, you can't read that because it's mm-hmm. not important enough. Come on. Yeah. And if you are that small minded to think that you can't get ideas or you can't think about things more deeply or connect with characters because it's quote unquote a beach read. Then that's sort of a lack of empathy on your part or it's a lack of imagination or something. Yes. Yeah. It's a lack of being able. And I would say that probably what Jonathan Franzen means to say is he doesn't relate to female characters. I think that's a big point. Because I think haven't there been criticisms about some of his female characters Uh, anyway? Yes. Yeah. A lot. So. Yeah. There it is, buddy. There you go. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right in that. um, And it's interesting we're bringing this up in the back to school episode because I think a lot of us are still and maybe people that don't read a lot now are still sort of scarred by that feeling in school. of Mm -hmm. You have to be reading these books Mm -hmm. or you're not smart. You have to be reading this kind of literature or else why are you even bothering reading? And if you like, you know, genre stuff or something, well, then you're just an idiot. Yeah. Kind of thing. I would consider myself a very avid reader and I read a lot of different things mm-hmm. and I never feel bad about it. No. There was uh, up until probably two years ago, and this is only because I, I don't have time, frankly, but I read every single John Grisham book that came out and I wasn't afraid to admit that because I'm, I'm a sucker for a legal thriller. Yeah. So I would. Now I got to a certain point where it, it, they just dropped on the list because I like other things more, but I, I never felt bad about that. I don't feel bad that I'm a fan of Dan Brown. I read his books. They're thrillers. You get through them. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. I, that All of that writing serves a purpose Absolutely. in every way. And to somehow say, well, this is more important than this is the exact thing I hate about art and about people thinking that they're smarter than other people and making people feel that way. Mm-hmm. It's just such a disservice to the whole across the board. I just, I can't get on board with that at all. So. Whew. Aaron, coming in hot. I came in hot. <laughs> Got a little education in the back to school episode. <laughs> Came in fired up. You know, last episode we were talking about feuds. Yes. Ryan oh. Murphy do a Jennifer Weiner, Jonathan Franzen feud. Damn it. Yes. Ooh, that'd be good. I want to see a death match. Oh, she you know, like a wrestling match. Him. Yeah. She's wily. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think, yeah. He'd just be so concerned yeah. with, you know, himself and his importance. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, you know we don't often call out people, but I'm kind of glad we called him out. I don't even feel bad. No, you walked in right now. I'd call you out. (laughs) I wouldn't be like, "Oh my god, Jonathan Franzen." I'd be like, "What are you doing here?" (laughs) I wouldn't even bother eating him. Remember the the cannibal discussion? Oh yeah, hell no. I'd let him rot. Probably let that. That'd be like some kind of weird infection thing. It probably would. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like wouldn't know you. You'd wake up and you'd be like, "Hey, why are you reading that?" And I'd be like, "Oh my god, you ate Jonathan Franzen. What did you do?" Let's be sure to tag him on our posts on this <laughs> episode. That'd be great. That'd be great. Because one of the things Amy and I said was that we always wanted to be positive and not yes, tear anyone yeah. down. We're kind of going down a road here. But but you started it, Jonathan Franzen. Not at me, necessarily. But you started it. Just remember that. You yeah. Started it. You started it. And that's, I stand that's a defense. This. That's a defense in court, right? You started it? Yeah, that's sure. called self-defense. <laughs> it's a legitimate defense. Yeah, you started Good it. Good point. Yeah, yeah. You hit okay. me, I hit you back. That's exactly. self-defense. Yeah. You shot a gun at me, I stabbed you. Oh, self-defense. No. Is Jonathan Franzen bringing weapons to our... I don't know oh, what God. he rolls Who with. Who knows? He 
would probably be that guy that's he like, oh, you would. got what side of Des Moines do you live on? Ooh, I better pack some heat. Exactly. I'm like, I'm east yeah. 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 And your cardigan. I don't know why I think he wears a cardigan. <laughs> With the patches on his shoulder. Yeah. And like He'd a have pipe and annoying glasses. Yeah. Wow. Maybe he, he kind of reminds me of the guy from AP Bio. You know, the, the guy that just shows up, the oh, teacher. Yeah. yeah. Who's all full of himself. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. But then I kind of end up liking him. So yeah. that doesn't work. Just the wow. jerky parts of yeah. him. Wow. We really took some time to dig in. <laughs> All <that>. right. <laughs> Woo! Johnny and Who knew? We had a burn book. And he's number one in it. He's number one. Yeah. Now I feel a little bad because I made that big point about you read what you want and like what you want. And if you like John Branson and you enjoy his books, that is okay. Yes. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I personally don't, and that's okay too. Exactly. So, Everyone's okay. Aaron. It's okay. Which yes. is also the school message. It's okay. It's okay. Let's just be accepting. Yes. So, what's your next pick, Amy? <laughs> Bring us back to some acceptance. You know, I have a feeling that he's an extrovert, and that relates to the book that I'm bringing up. Okay. And it's kind of a cheat because I mentioned this in oh. our gift guide. Okay. Okay. But we didn't go into detail no, in our no, gift no, guide. No, no, no. So no, no. I'm diving in. Okay. This book is a nonfiction book. It's called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking from Susan Cain in 2012. So <laughs> as I was remembering um, a lot of the things about the book this week, I was remembering like all, uh, some sort of almost tests of yourself. Like what kinds of things do you like? What kinds of things do you relax to? What kinds of things um, make you feel renewed, you know, at mm-hmm. the end of each day? So like if your idea of rest and relaxation is like a massive yacht party with celebrities to network with, that's probably an extrovert. If your idea of being at that party is mostly hiding in the bathroom to stay away from all of that networking and stuff, or maybe like reading in the bathroom just to give yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. you're probably an introvert. Okay. It's about where you draw your energy. Her point is um, our society is sort of in thrall to this ideal of extroverts. The, the people that, uh, that are very gregarious, that are very like alpha, very comfortable in the spotlight. These are the people that like our society puts up as the goals, mm-hmm. right? And many of our schools, many of our jobs are dominated by this person mm-hmm. who's often the loudest person in the room. Um, we make them our leaders. We make them our bosses, our stars. And she sees a problem with that because, um, she sees sort of a growth, a, a growth of over extroversed extroversion, excuse me, unchecked, um, with a lot of people that are very focused on risk-taking and boldness and quick thinking and and thoughtless action. She even ties this to recent events like the bank meltdown of 2008, Mm. the fall of Enron. I wonder if she was writing this more currently, if she would attribute our current government Mm. to some of these people Mm -hmm. as well. She says that there's this ideal that we put up But then there's the people who don't do that, who sit back and think before rushing to say something or to act. And she says that we should never feel bad about that, that introverts must embrace that fact about ourselves, embrace the fact that sometimes the fact that we take a little bit longer to think about things or the fact that we like to, you know, uh, ration out our social stuff is actually a really good thing. Um, She says that, uh, you know, 
Introversion is kind of a power. And I chose this because there's a discussion around school in the book. Um, she says that a lot of introverts as kids can be miscategorized as shy. Hmm. Um, that many school setups and learning styles may value that loudest kid, that quickest to speak. Sure. The one that's, um, you know, just raising the hand really quick or just blurting something out rather than the one that's maybe most original or thoughtful or right. creative. So there is some in the book um, advice for parents on how to understand kids that are that way, or, or maybe even how to encourage that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but I also chose this because older students, you know, young adults, adults themselves, they're facing environments um, based on this sort of group brainstorming and open office setups, which, as I've mentioned in the past, make me physically ill. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I thought it was... Um, I thought it was super weird that I would always feel physically ill in an open office environment or that in school I would be nauseous about group projects or having to get up and do skits and stupid stuff like that. Right. This book made me feel a little less lonely. So I would recommend it for parents of kids like that, for kids themselves, young adults, adults, everyone. Know that you're okay, as Aaron said earlier. <laughs> you're okay. We're all okay. Just doing yeah. the best we can. Yes, and that's enough. And that's enough. And you don't have to be the loudest in the room. No. To be the coolest. No. Ooh, that should be like our tagline or something. Yeah. You don't have to be the loudest, loudest in the room to, to be, be the coolest. coolest. <laughs> Dang right. <laughs> Maybe that's part of our theme song Ooh. that we, you know, come up with. Yeah. I like it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or the More You Know commercial we're going to make. Yes. More you, you know. know. Oh, man. It's going to be great. It is. Yeah. Changing the world. So much. Yeah. We like our takedown at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you heard it here first. That's the power we have. Taking people down. Yeah. Watch yourself. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to say. Exactly. Watch yourself. <laughs> all right. Well, my pick, this is kind of funny and it is again, I don't know. Sometimes we're a little too on the same wavelength. It's kind of a cheat because I mentioned it too. But we didn't talk about it in detail, and uh -huh. it's just so perfect. It's called Spoiled Brats by Simon Rich. Ooh. And I am a longtime Simon Rich fan. He's yes. a humorist, so he writes uh, humorous short stories, fiction short stories. Um, this one was published in 2014. It's, um, think, like weird, wacky, hilarious, like SNL on steroids, like taking this tiny idea and just making a huge story out of it. And it's something you could never come up with on your own, but it's just hysterical so great and oftentimes too there there almost seems to be a little bit of this like i hey i'm kind of trying to say something here too but also just very funny so he is um he was a writer for saturday night live in fact he was one of the youngest writers ever hired by them wow um after he left snl he went on as a staff writer for pixar so he had writing credit on inside out oh on gosh. secret life of pets so like some of that humor that's what you're gonna get in here um the blurb for Spoiled Brats is that it's all about the battles we fight with the ones who love us the most, our parents. <laughs> yeah. So one of my favorite short stories in the collection is told from the viewpoint of a classroom hamster <gasps> who's terrified when the worst possible kid in the class is chosen for hamster duty that oh, week. Oh, no. And it's written kind of like, you know, like an old time log, like day two morning. <laughs> I was supposed to be fed three hours ago. <laughs> He's sitting at his desk right now, picking his nose with a pencil. Like, just, uh, that's not it, but it's so oh, fantastic. God. There's also a story in there about a chimp who offends his father because he chooses to become a research animal instead of working in the family business. 
<laughs> so these this collection's all centered around, you know, growing up, um, adolescence, parental stuff, making decisions. They're all hilarious. They're all a little bit kooky. Um, if you are the type of person that you like your humor to push the boundaries a little bit, you like kind of getting out there, you're going to love this. You're going to awesome. really would love anything written by him, but you're really going to like it. Um, if you're easily offended or you like your humor to be like real safe, like a real nice laugh track, like I don't want to laugh at anything weird, then this is not for you. Do we have listeners like that? I was kind of wondering because if you, if that is, I'm questioning I, I, why you're yeah. listening to me. Yeah. Because we probably do that. Yeah. We're not oh, laugh track type people. No, I mean, we definitely talked about eating people. And so. yeah, we go off the rails regularly. Yeah. yeah. I'll very <laughs> off the rails. So again, I mean, it's so smart, so funny. So many great issues about growing up. Um, honestly, when I was prepping for this episode, it just made me want to read it again. Cause awesome. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah. All of his collections are great, but this one really speaks to this time period so do the other collections have themes as well you know a little bit okay. um his most recent one that came out not like that long ago um had deals more with like adult issues like oh you know how it feels when you become a parent or making decisions about what to do about your career and this one's really more centered on that adolescent school mm -hmm. age yeah mm -hmm. so it's great there's also a hilarious one in there about an elf on a shelf that i can't <gasps> I really think you've discuss. mentioned that yeah yeah it's fantastic oh boy I like that idea of from the hamster. Yeah. The things oh, a hamster could, a school hamster so could tell. It's so funny. And, he, and, you know, it's so life or death to him. And we never think of it yes. that way. But like this poor hamster that's just waiting to be taken care of in this classroom full of what looks like monsters to him. God. Terrific. Did you ever have child or child? Uh, ch good Lord. I can't talk. Did you ever have classroom? Pets. Yes. Really? Yeah. I don't think we ever did. I, I think they were just like, these kids can't be trusted to do shit. I have a very traumatic experience with a classroom pet. Oh, no. Yeah. What was it? So it was, it was like sixth grade in our science class. We had a salamander and the teacher asked me if I would take it home for the summer. And I was like, yeah, I'll, you know, I, apparently I must have seemed responsible. So I took the salamander home. But as it turned out, the salamander had bulimia. And every time... <laughs> And then, and like, I come back 20 minutes later and they just be thrown up on the rock. And I was like, this isn't going well. And I just, every day that half that bat went like that, I got more and more scared. Like what's happening? And yeah, he didn't make it. <laughs> he did not make it. <laughs> he died. And I have never really been recovered from that because I had to go back and be like, look. And I remember that year being terrified to go back to school on the oh, first day. Oh, yeah. And I think that my science teacher was probably like, it's a sad. I didn't really expect he was going to make it through the summer. <laughs> like, looking back, she was probably like, what she was salamander? Like just, yeah. She yeah. was probably just passing the responsibility on, yeah. like, listen, we're, we need to kill this salamander anyway. Let, <laughs> let a child learn a lesson. From <laughs> <laughs> well, let's give it to Erin. She doesn't already have anxiety issues. <laughs> Let's traumatize a poor child. Yeah. And I just, wow. I didn't know what to do. It was awful. And his little tummy got all bloated. Oh, it's traumatic to think about now. I'm also, still trying, I'm still trying to think about the mechanics of how he was I making know. himself. I, like, I up, watched but, him too. Wow. I mean, it was like, it was like a having, you know, someone you care about having eating disorder. I felt like I had to yeah. watch him and be like, digest it, digest it, digest it. <laughs> keep it down. Keep it, it down. Yeah. And then I'd leave. And then when I come back, it'd be, I was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? 
Yeah, Goodness. it was terrible. It was really bad. I'm so sorry that you went through that. Yeah. Yeah. What was the salamander's name? I don't remember. <laughs> I blocked it. Did you put a little um, like gravestone in the backyard? I mean, I buried him real nice. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. I felt really, it's good. really terrible. When I look back now, it's incredibly shocking to me that you ever convinced me to pick up mealworms and give them to him. I think I had a, a pair of tweezers now that I think about it. Because there's no way like in my – I would never touch – I'm so weirded out by bugs that that's such a, actually, I would never have a salamander now. So I have no idea. Do you think there was a time before the salamander where you were a young, carefree child and this salamander just ruined it? Ruined it. I was loving life. Yep. And And then you developed phobias around bugs, lizards, death, bulimia, too. Bulimia, really? That's probably a good phobia to have. Yeah. So congratulations on that life lesson, (laughs) sixth grade science teacher. I really got that one. Wow. That just seems like such a terrible thing to do is give a um, a child the responsibility smart. of a small animal. You know, to be fair, this is also I was this is also the class that when we were in kindergarten, one of the we uh, um, had a very old school building and the kindergartners for some reason were in the very top. And one of the boys in our class kicked our class hamster <gasps> down all the stairs in a ball. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was very concussed, but lived. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have bulimia after that? Probably. I wasn't in charge of his care. <laughs> I don't know the details. Now I'm trying to imagine like the pet warehouse that's like, oh, the school wants another animal. Oh, oh dear no. God. No, they are terrible. <laughs> You're killing them left I and right. I was even, I remember that I was even like, maybe I should go buy another salamander. But then I was like. I don't know. What if he doesn't? What if? Yeah, you had the weight of the world. I did. And now back looking then. back, I kind of laugh at myself because it seems so small and stupid. But I remember oh, God, the no. anxiety yes. of going in and having to tell her that I had killed the. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I had killed the salamander. I remember very clearly the anxiety of in third grade. I got detention for doing something bad in and third I never, grade. Yep, and I never told my parents. And all school year, I was petrified that it was going to be on my final report card, <laughs> like it was going to say something to the parents. <laughs> I lived with a constant state of just stomach churning itself around. Oh my gosh! And then when I got the report card and there was no mention of it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like getting out of jail. This is like." getting away with, with it. it i got away with it and that's where the drug meal was born yep yeah then just a few years ago i told my parents it, it took me just a few was... years ago <laughs> took me into my late 30s and like to really third like grade yeah. i mean what could you have really done like taking oh, an extra milk kid oh yeah it was it was mean oh well, i don't remember why i made fun of the kid he i think probably because... deserved it <laughs> he was probably jonathan franzen it probably was you probably said something very disparaging about another female, and you were yep. standing up for I them. I probably witnessed some toxic man- mm-hmm. masculinity. And then what like, happened no. is you got punished for it instead of him. Oh, my God. Yes. I've just rewrote that history for Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I feel much better about Good. that experience now. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Pop culture. Salamander story yes. for you in there. That was great. <laughs> what do you have for pop some culture? childhood dramas. Yeah. Well. It's kind of a nice tie, actually. Uh, my pop culture pick is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show from 1997 to 2002. Wow. Buffy is a 16-year-old popular girl who suddenly gets this superpower where she alone can kill the vampire scourge threatening the world. And all that's, that's all great and all, mm-hmm. but she just wants to date boys. 
go mm-hmm. to dances, mm-hmm. do all the normal girl stuff. Okay. Instead, she's got a bag full of stakes and a librarian that's full of all the knowledge of the horrors of the world and sends her out on missions so that she can kill these vampires. Yes. Even worse, she falls for a hot vampire. Ah, oh, Buffy. Two, in fact. Um, so what's a teenage girl to do? You know? Nothing to do. I chose this because Joss Whedon, the creator of this show, who's now gone on to lots of fame as the director of the Avengers movies and and other things, um, he very deliberately set out this metaphor that teenage and adolescent drama feels like end of the world. Everything we do feels like the end of the world. You killing your salamander, me getting detention, end End of of the the world. world. Yes. And so in this show, everything is actually the end of the world. So your first love being like the dangerous, soulful, bad boy could actually threaten the whole order of the world. Um, When you're having your first sex and that bad boy turns into a literal monster who could kill everyone around you. That's a lot. Your freshman year roommate steals your food from the fridge because she's an actual demon trying to kill you. See? It just keeps going. (sighs) Everything is end of the world. Yes. So it's funny. It's dark. It's sad. It's... Super real, but it's also super fantastical. Um, And what's great, too, is the show sort of evolves. You know, she starts out as a teenager, but then she grows into a young woman. And so some of the changes and the metaphors change. But it just it's really, really powerful how they do that. Mm -hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Watch it now. I like it. Yeah, I think that's a great pick for this theme. Mm -hmm. Fits perfectly. And it played right into our whole thing. Sure did. Nice. Yes. Well, my pop culture pick is called Trophy Kids. And it is a documentary. Um, It was produced by HBO in 2013. I first saw it on Netflix. Um, It's done by Peter Berg, who I love quite a lot of his Mm -hmm. documentaries. Um, You can watch it on HBO still if you have a subscription. Otherwise, you can rent it from Amazon or Google Play. And the best thing I can tell you is that it is banana pants. You, nothing makes sense. What's great so, is you didn't just see how Aaron leaned forward on the desk <laughs> to really get into the microphone and say, listen, it's banana pants. It's banana pants. Yeah. And if you don't know what banana pants are, I don't either. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. This is insane. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're going to be enraged. You're going to be in shock. You're going to be in disbelief. Wow. Yes. Um, so what you need to think of is that guy at the Little League game that can't stop. Oh, no. This is that times like 787 so this is all about parents who have decided that their child has some kind of special skill in a sport and the links they did this documentary the links that they'll go so you have um there's some golf in there some tennis some basketball and some football so it follows i think seven kids um and their parents, I mean, we're talking about spending thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on special training. We're talking about making your kid do a second practice after his other practice just with you. Um, we're talking about yelling, berating your children for missing, you know, a serve. It is gross. It's hard to watch. But it's also, in my opinion, a very important look at that world. And I think that as a parent, if you're about to enter the sports world, it's something you should almost watch just so that you... Yes, you can spot the signs. Yes, yeah. yeah. And also just to catch yourself, because I think that the sports world is one where it's really easy to get wrapped up in the hype. There's all these people that are doing things and you, you know, they kind of sell that to you that, oh, that's what you have to do to get your child ahead. Or that's what you need to do for them to even get to play. And all parents, you know, want the best for their kids. And I think sometimes make decisions based on that without really thinking it through. And this is such a good 
look at that, but it's also a really important look at just the pressures that parents can put on young children, adolescents, and forgetting how hard it is to go through that, how much um, discipline, how much negative comments actually have an effect and how that can really shape how they feel for a long time. Um, like I said, it is very difficult to watch because I, I have a really hard time with people like that. I, you know, one of my older children wrestled in college and there were quite a few times that I had to leave um, because I, there, I, I'm a, pretty calm person until I'm not. And that is one thing that will trip my trigger every time is listening to a parent yell and yell horrible things at a, at a child at, at, you know, their own, um, child is it's awful. So Mm -hmm. I, I watched it actually before that, but like I said, I think it should be, I think every parent should have to watch it. You should, if you sign your kid up for a sport, they should send you a DVD (laughs) of this and be like, don't do that. Yes, Don't be that guy. Yeah. And if you aren't familiar with this world, it starts early. Oh God, it does. It's not. Yeah, it's not a joke. It's gross. How old are the kids in this documentary? Um, I think the youngest is nine, but you mm-hmm. see some clips of her before that, and it goes up to like seventeen. Yeah. I think the one of the football players is he's in high school for sure. And you know they're doing this under the guise of like, oh, he's going to get a scholarship, and I'm going to propel him to the next level, and it's so self serving and very much. It's so. just and sort of living vicariously through. Yes, your kids. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't don't mistake me for saying that that sports are bad or that your kids shouldn't be involved. I don't believe that at all. Whatever your kid is interested in, if that's what you want to do, and you want to support it that's great that is being a good parent supporting it is very different from forcing it mm-hmm. and supporting it is very different from putting such life or death hard lines yeah. on it and the world stuff mm-hmm. absolutely a kid d- doesn't need that kind of pressure no. with all everything else that's going on so. i mean we tore ourselves apart over a or a salamander and a detention right you know that kids are yeah they're tearing themselves apart when they know that that expectation is on them from their parents from their coaches right. from everyone yes it's too much yes it is and that's a i the sports world to me is very nuanced and so i think that this is just a really important layer to mm-hmm. remember um about how to approach your kids about it how to talk about it how to deal with coaches how to you know when you feel um, I've been in that position a few times when you feel like you have to stand up for your kid, how, how you do that and how you make sure that, you know, they're still healthy. Cause at the end of the day, that's really what yeah. you're supposed to be doing is keeping them healthy mentally and physically. So, yep. yeah, man, coming in hot again, Aaron, <sighs> I'm just you dropping some to lessons say. today. I brought you to school. <laughs> Aaron's adolescent school. It's in session. <laughs> Some good things to say, some yes. important things that needed to be said. Yes. Yes. So, so now you can go back to school mm-hmm. fully aware and entertained and all the th- the things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's some good picks. And I, I think uh, that's it for this episode. I think so, too. We will be back next Wednesday. And in the meantime, head to our website, broadsandbooks.com. Check out all the recommendations we made in this episode. Also on that website Mm -hmm. you can find some amazing bonus material we got road trips there's more coming yeah there is more coming here's another thing we would love if you have something you'd like to know about us some story you want to know more about tell us we'll do a little bonus for you that's right we're gonna do some story time yeah yeah story time for you Mm. Mm -hmm. because school's back You want to hear about more traumatic experiences from childhood? <laughs> oh, well, we got a truckload. We truck got load. plenty. 
<laughs> and if you liked hearing about traumatic experiences and, you know, Erin killing her salamander, her bulimic salamander, um, then hey, why don't you leave us a rating and a review in your podcast player, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, give us a rating. Tell us what you like about the show. And if you have a great theme idea, something you'd like to hear more about, a topic that comes to you, even if it's half-baked, mm-hmm. send it our way. Yeah. We love to finish that kind of stuff. We love to keep baking it. We'll put it in the incubator and <laughs> bake it up. I don't know why I went incubator. Oven? Oven. Yeah. Incubator. <laughs> what was I thinking? Sounds like you're creating some oh my God. horrible monster. Oh, I went. Hybrid. I don't know why would my salad. I, I like, don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know where incubator came from. We won't do that. We'll put it in a nice toasty oven and it'll come out fresh and delicious. That's what will happen to your theme idea. Okay. It doesn't have jaundice. It's not an incubator. You have to put babies oh, in here. You, you do, yeah. but you're not baking the babies, so I don't know. Oh, good Lord. So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website. In the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.